Hello. So, hey, is this? Hi, yeah. Is this any better? I've switched phones. Um... Yeah, this seems better. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you just have to be in a good Wi-Fi environment. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think this is better. Like my whole phone stopped working, so I've just literally stolen my husband's phone, and we should be good to go now. <laughs> okay. Cool. So let me do a little brief introduction. After I do the brief introduction, then we'll go right into the interview questions. Okay. Awesome. Sounds good. So this is Family Electric Ghost. I interview indie artists from around the world. And we have Kema Otang on the line. And we're going to talk to her about her music career. So um, I'm very happy to have you on the line. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. That's cool. So we usually we ask the questions that we send you. So the first one we always ask is, when did you first get into music and at what age? Yeah, so I I can't even remember. I've been doing music for like as long as I can remember, uh, probably like five years old. I remember me and my sisters making these really cringe videos um, and making up songs. We had a little kind of raggedy uh, keyboard back then and we'll just, you know, put the demo on on the keyboard and just make up all these songs to all of the demo tracks that were on of it on it so i hope no one ever digs up those videos but uh that was when it kind of started music was always in my house so it must have been around five years old oh that's interesting because I, I i talk to a lot of artists and they do start young I, you know i think that you're the youngest person that's the youngest age i usually hear like seven eight five is uh that's that's interesting <laughs> but, but um that yeah it's not it's not unusual a lot of singer songwriters it's kind of in their blood it's, yeah it seems like it's part of their dna you know yeah definitely definitely I, I think that's definitely the case i think like as you get older people kind of then try and convince you to like be realistic and like music's not a realistic choice so i kind of went away from that that thing that was in my dna that was in my blood but i feel like i finally got back to it now so that's really good because you're an attorney. You're an AI attorney, right? I Yeah, I'm a lawyer, so, which is like wild. I, I don't know if you could have two opposing worlds, two worlds that are so opposing. Um, but yeah, I've been balancing law and music for a while. But more recently, I'm starting to do music, focus on music a lot more. Luckily, I've got like, luckily with law, I can kind of pick it up and like put it down as and when. Um, but yeah, I have been balancing the two for a little bit. That's a good day gig because most musicians, you know, they're doing starving artifice movers, <laughs> or they're Uber drivers, or, you know, because I, you know, I'm a, I'm a IT professional myself, my day job. Amazing. So, so being an uh, electronic musician, then I can afford my Moogs and my Rollins. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, it's really true. Yeah. I think with the law, it has its pros and cons because I guess it, the, the pros are that you can fund music from law, but then the cons are that law takes up so much of your time yeah intellectual energy by the time you're done with it you're just exhausted and music actually takes a lot of your emotional energy to create so it it, it does have its pros and cons definitely yeah i think it's interesting because a, a lot of musicians like they'll do everything they can to keep doing what they love to do and in the world like you said yeah. tries to say oh you have to be practical you have to be realistic you know you know how are you gonna you know pay your your obligations being an artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And what I'm learning, the more I learn about the music industry and how the opportunities out there, I'm learning that that's complete. It's it's nonsense. Like I, it's if you if you if you want to make it happen and you work really hard, there are a lot of avenues to make really good money from music. And I almost feel like I was done a disservice, like growing up, because no one told me you as a creative you can make money yeah. um but i guess people you, the average person just doesn't realize yeah that. with the music you know it's interesting music has become devalued in some ways ever since napster yeah and the advent of streaming so one of the questions i've mm -hmm. jumped to a question but one of the things that happens like in the industry you know i grew up i'm in my 50s and i was a, mm -hmm. i used to play when i was 17 18 in a basement with a bunch of bands in the garage and stuff and back then you know you couldn't get on like Spotify, you had to play at a bar. You know, you, you had to be like yeah, a cover band, yeah. and maybe you could play your own songs here and there. But you, you have to try to find some indie label to put your tape out, and it was very, very difficult to get any kind of traction except maybe on a college radio station. And so the oh, cool wow. thing today is like, but now you have so many bands they can get out there on on the net. Mm. But then 
music has become devalued. Yeah, I had I grew up. I went and bought Purple Rain on vinyl when it came wow. out. When it came yeah. out, the day it came out. Yeah. But now people can just go on, you know, a streaming service and you know, buy. They're not, they're not even buying the full price. It's like they're paying ten dollars a month or something. And it's, <laughs> it's it's so, it's so true. It's it's such a shame. I think. Like you said, on one hand, these amazing opportunities have been presented. I'm so inspired by the story of Lil Nas X, this rapper, the one who did Old Town Road, um, and how he intentionally, like, made himself go viral on the internet using social media, using memes, and was basically able to circumvent this big kind of opaque music industry that normally you have to kind of network your way through and like hope someone will give you a chance. So there are those amazing opportunities, but then also in terms of revenue, making money, artists have to be a lot more creative these days with like brand deals and brand sponsorships yeah. and um, um, selling merchandise and, and all of these other avenues rather than just the streaming itself. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. It's like a lot of what you know happens today, you know, this podcast came out of the fact that I was on SoundCloud and somebody found me. Wow. And then they said they interviewed me on an old platform that went out, you know, that failed. And then I came over to this platform and suddenly mm. I've been able to have more traction as a podcaster than than my music. But my music kicks off from here to there. You know, I just got a record deal. I released an album on Friday. Um, That's incredible. Congrats. So, wow. I mean, I've got two labels doing distribution for me. <laughs> um yeah that's but so you kind of like that's the independent artist thing in me is like oh i can have this ep distributed by one label and this single distributed by another label <laughs> and yeah you kinda, exactly and then i do this podcast on on spotify and anchor and then like that's how you can get into influence marketing like you said and it's interesting because you have this dual career but a lot of musicians have to now you know get into this dual capability of being a like a pitch person you know being an influencer and and you know yeah. getting there and you've got a really good story in that your music was actually on on tv you know you're on itv's love island uh you've been on yeah. bbc radio one for the live session so you've been able to convert into really good uh areas you know as we yeah i think i think with that so um like I've I've just been so my first single I released uh, last year, so it hasn't been very long. So I've with with being on uh, Love Island, I think one of the focuses was okay, how am I actually going to make this music thing like a viable thing that you can actually live from and be very successful at? And like we were talking about before, the ways you can make revenue, sync, license, having licensing your music to kind of TV, yeah. um, advertising, and films is a great way to make money for musicians. Um, So I was like, how do I test this? I have no idea how to actually get onto TV. So it was for Love Island. I was like, okay, I'm going to test it with Love Island because I think this song would be perfect. And I'm a huge fan of the show. Um, I'd watch it all the time. So I was like, if I can test and try and get my song onto Love Island, find out the process, then I will kind of rinse, repeat with other kind of um, films and TV and maybe set that, make that um, part of my, part of my music, part of what I do. Did you take your ability as a lawyer to kind of really be able to boost that or that was that a different skill set? That is such an interesting question. I think I did. And I think that is, um, while I've sometimes at points been like, oh, I should have just done music from the outset, gone to uni and studied music and then like gone into a music career. I've learned so much from being a lawyer that I think gives me an advantage in the music industry in that um, a lot of the skills you have to employ in terms of getting your music out there, uh, getting people to take you seriously um, has come from being a lawyer so with getting on love island i literally i must have sent like a thousand emails just that polite persistence and crafting those emails in in and the wording of like what will really grab their attention what what, what's the story behind it um that's really gonna um make them uh you know realize that this is a good fit doing my research on the show on who the producers are who the music supervisors are who i need to know doing all of that that skill set really came from law and i think actually um, in, a, in a way that I'm not happy about, being a lawyer helps in that I remember this, I wanted to have a phone call with this 
um, someone who was really influential in the music industry. And I sent him a message and, and he didn't reply. So a week later, I just followed up with a really polite, hey, don't know if you see my message. And the person thought I was being really rude and pushy. But then when they found out that I was a lawyer, all of a sudden they were like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know you were a solicitor, as if I somehow became an actual human being because I had what they considered a real job. And then they gave me their time and then they had a call with me. So I was like, oh my gosh, when they thought I was just, I guess to them, some struggling musicians, you know, some wannabe musicians, they wouldn't even, they didn't even see me as human. But I guess once they found out I was a lawyer, they actually took me seriously. So it, there are elements of being a lawyer that really helps um, with, music and i i definitely dig into was that a lot the track morning that was on love island or was it a different track it it was it was morning so morning's the my first release and i've just released another single so i've only got two bits of music out there right at the moment but there's so much there's so much more i've written yeah. so much um and so i'll be coming out with another single um towards the end of the year and then an ep and so let me year. get into like your new track if nobody told you but maybe back up to morning so when you, you were able to use mm -hmm. your skills as a lawyer to kind of be your own agent, you know, your own manager, be able to do what managers and agents are supposed to do, you were able to do. Yeah. Because um, that's what, you know, if your musicians tend to be like, I'm not really good at business. I don't know that skill set. I'm a pure musician. Mm -hmm. I don't really know that. So they kind of defer to their mm -hmm. managers. But then if we get to the actual crafting of the song Morning, how did you build the demo or build the song you know how did you pitch it did you build the did you pitch the full song or a demo version of the song and then get, get it produced how did that go so um with with my track morning i kind of wrote the song um went to a producer who i'd found just like through friends um and recorded the whole thing the, the song wasn't recorded with like sync licensing in mind I think with tv licensing it's good to bear in mind that they kind of they really like commercial songs songs that are like commercially mm. successful rather than songs that are created with an intention of like I want this to be used in a tv program or in a show because sometimes it doesn't feel yeah. authentic um so the song was just created just to be a single but then when I was because I was a big fan of Love and I was like oh my gosh this song would actually be perfect um I'm thinking about the kind of scenes that would be perfect and when I pitched it to Love Island I pitched a specific part of the song that I was like this bit of the song would be perfect for this scene in the structure of how Love Island is done that would work really well together but I, I when I was recording and, and kind of um, writing the song I, I definitely wasn't thinking of Love Island and TV licensing at that time. So, so was it like a 30 second snippet or a 45 second snippet? Yeah it was it was the whole song but you know with sound I, I send a private links from SoundCloud and you can yeah. click on the bit that you want it to start oh. at so um, you can make that be the link and so when they click on the link it starts at the bit of the song that you want to show them so I always make it start at the bit that I think oh, is most hook. relevant yeah. that will capture their interest yeah whichever bit that I think is most relevant for whatever I'm pitching to. That's, that's cool I've been a SoundCloud artist for a long time it's been a pretty cool platform is kind of where I started, mm. you know, why I'm here. It, it, there, a lot of people, you know, thought that platform was going away, but it's been able to be, survive, you know, its critics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's still thriving. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so when you, uh, when you did your demo, did you, do you have like your own home studio? Do you use like Ableton or Pro Tools? Do you use a DAW, to, like a digital audio workstation to put your songs together? Or do you, work directly with a producer to do that or do you have like demos that you bring to a producer yeah so I do a mix so I with <laughs> I kind of I so I have my own home studio now I think lockdown made it imperative the first song I did I went to um this producer's studio I'd already written the song already recorded like a demo version for him then went to the studio and kind of put together like what it would sound like and um the kind of the meat on the bones um but now since lockdown I've been like I've had to record music from my own home so I've kind of kitted out the home studio nothing fancy literally um the microphone that everyone has the sm7b I think it is sure microphone that apparently was Michael Jackson's favorite mm -hmm. I love it it's really affordable and and it does the job really well um so now yeah so I'm I um the new single was recorded from my bedroom which I was really worried mm -hmm. about I just thought I'm not going to be able to get 
good enough quality from my room but it was it's decent like it's it's been good enough um i have the kind of uh microphone the sound shield yeah, that yeah. makes the kind of background lessens the background noise the, the kind of the the staples that you really need and i've been working virtually with now a new producer for this song um he's based in birmingham i'm in london so that's like if i was to travel there that would be like four hours um so we've literally been working virtually i've been i'll I'll send him something he'll send something back i'll make comments make some tweaks i use logic pro so i can make some tweaks on there or send an i concept of what i want it to sound like and they just make it sound (laughs) professional because i am not a pro i'm not a pro at logic pro um so i can put stuff together put instruments in there but in terms of the mastering and the mixing that's when i leave it that's when i leave it to the producer yeah but in terms of like when you're using logic do you use a midi keyboard do you integrate other things into it or do you just do it all on the grid yeah so i i use a midi keyboard um for basically everything my my husband's a drummer so we have an electric drum kit so sometimes we can get he plays drums into the songs as well um but I have like the a tiny MIDI keyboard that's amazing because it's. I basically want to get to a point where I can record music from anywhere in the world and just be able to fit all my equipment to make quality songs into a suitcase. So I have this tiny MIDI keyboard um, that I can take anywhere with me. I also have, you know, a grand kind of a an upright that's piano. Good in the living room and then uh, a bigger key two bigger keyboards i need to get rid of one of them because i don't use all of them um but the one i i mainly use is the kind of really small one because it's just so versatile um in terms of what you can do with it and i can go on holiday pack it with me pack my microphone um and record when i'm abroad and still be able to be making music from anywhere in the world which i'm really passionate about which i really yeah, love it's interesting today what you can do i'm kind of a different story i'm a like an analog synthesis so i've got these big mobs and rolling hardware synths. oh so interesting yeah I mean, I'm, like my heroes are like stevie wonder and and guys mm. like emerson lake and palmer and yes and genesis so if you imagine those bands they have these big stacks of synths that that's kind of yeah. the way i record <laughs> that's but that i feel like that's where you get the most authentic beautiful sound um so I, it's i think it's worth the extra effort. yeah it's just I, I grew up being you know in the new wave i was like 17 when like bowie was mm. doing his stuff with brian you know and you know duran duran and joy division and the cure and all these bands were coming up and they were using all these hardware sense and i was like i'd go to pawn shops and go find mugs mm. and find Wow. like uh our 2600s and then i just started building up a collection of these and learning how to play them and program them and i just got really into synthesis from that kind of perspective because if you think yeah. about it like it can be used keyboards can be used to you know create everything the, the reason you're using a midi keyboard is as a producer if you can use a keyboard you can write the whole song you know and yeah. so that's kind of like the yeah. idea I had back in the late 80s. Is like, oh, you know, if you use these synthesizers, you can just be a one-man band. Because I had all these punk bands and, you know, garage bands. And then people stopped wanting to come because they got married and they did whatever and they weren't into it. So oh, I just yeah. kept on and said, well, you know, I, if I'm like Prince, I can be a one-man band and just keep on writing forever. Mm. <laughs> it yeah, <matter."> exactly. <laughs> And now you've got record deals. So, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's like you got to be passionate about what you love. It's like I kept on doing what mm. I do. And it's kind of, you know, science mm. fiction, kind of, you know, space synthesis. But, you know, like Sun Ra or something, it's really kind of out there. But there's a market for everything, you know. So, so if you get yeah. people that are into that, then you find out where they are and you pitch to them. And then... 100%. And like, so it depends on where you want to be. But it's interesting that you're you're able to get to the kind of tier that you know a lot of pop stars want to get to you're able you were starting off the bat you're you're there that's really really cool and it, i was reading about your background is that you had like some classical uh background in like welsh national youth opera and i do hear in your latest yeah. single i do hear that kind of classical um sound so maybe you can talk about on your new single how that's kind of incorporated like if nobody told you you've got these nice strings and this kind of sound is interesting. Yeah. It's kind of. Yeah. 
Exactly. So yeah, when I was 14, I auditioned, I don't sing opera, but I auditioned for the National Youth Opera because my vocal coach at the time was like, oh, you should go for it. And to my surprise, I actually got in and I was like, oh my, it was the most mind blowing experience of my life. Like the amount of talent in that room. And I was the youngest one there. Everyone else was like in their twenties. Um, so I was just in awe and the um, music director is named Tim Reese Evans and he's what he's the director of what, some of the most prolific and incredible um, choirs in the UK. Um, and I just, I just, I just learned so much. I was like a sponge. So I think that's really stuck with me. I love um, the, the convergence of um, that classical background with the more kind of soulful and R&B sounds that I have and putting them together. And I think that's really what I wanted to do with If Nobody Told You. And my next single, even more so, you'll hear that classical influence. Um, regardless, Kanye West as an artist, I'm a huge fan of Kanye West as an, as an artist for a very similar reason. Like in his earlier albums, College Dropout um, and Late Registration especially, his the way that he used classical music with, with the strings and sometimes opera singers he uses a lot mm -hmm. in his music and also brought in gospel and the gospel sounds and fused those, those sounds together to create just something so unique and beautiful. That's been a big inspiration for me and I've really tried to do that in my um my music keep those those strings those traditional orchestral instruments harps as well I've used in my the single that will be my next single um so yeah I'm, I'm really passionate about keeping those sounds in my music well, I think that's the cool thing about neo soul you know when you think about the neo soul artists that have come up you know Lauren Hill and mm -hmm. um you know you have the sound not exactly there but I kind of I can hear where that's coming from but the whole Motown like a lot of music today, I, I am a, because I like jazz and I like, you know, rock and a lot, you know, progressive mm -hmm. music. You know, when you listen to Motown, the skill sets are the drummers. I mean, the Motown drummers and the Funk Brothers, just the, the studio musicians and the, on those songs. There's is what you're talking yeah. about. There's, there's string sections, there are horn sections, yeah. very, very tight mm -hmm. arrangements, very poppy, but they're technically, you know, unbelievably great work that today sometimes you see yeah. some producers and you're like, you know, they're not doing that level of, of work. And, and yeah. so I like the neo soul genre because it kind of brings, and even the soul, you know, modern soul that brings that stuff back because that to me has always yeah. been a real Smokey Robinson to me and Marvin Gaye and all those writers were like, Oh my God. It's like, every time I talk to somebody, it's like, you know, listen to the drums on some of these Motown singles. And you're like, you really mm. have to kind of step up your game. <laughs> oh, massively, massively. I completely agree. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, I love drum machines. I'm an electronic musician. I use my 808s and my 909s. But like a real drummer playing like a real class, classic like R&B or funk groove, I'm a big purveyor mm. of like funk. I'm like, in the, you know, the, 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 that Parliament Funkadelic, and any of those bands are like, oh my God, do they listen to Bootsy Collins and those guys, Bernie Worrell on the keys? That that always like kind of tells me like, oh, I need to do better. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. To go exactly. back and see what exactly. somebody else did. I was like, well, you know what? I think I go. I need to go back to the factory, back in the lab, and think <laughs> this out again. Yeah, it makes you rethink your entire life. Yeah, I mean, not that you can't do stuff. There's a lot of cool things you can do with samples and clips, but. I do like the authentic nature of actually crafting a song. Mm, yeah, and I think I think one of the artists that still does that to this day that I'm aware of, I'm sure many do, but Bruno Mars, I remember him saying that his albums takes, he only does an album like every four years because he's literally recording it the way they recorded Motown, as in like writing the bass part, getting the bassist in and and, and then the horn section and and, write, and writing those melodies and doing everything kind of very hands-on and, and the drums, what are they going to sound like? What's the beat going to be like without a drum machine, with an actual drummer? Um, so yeah, I think Bruno Mars definitely keeps that keeps that in his music. Yeah, I like to hear, like Maxwell does a lot of really interesting stuff when he, start, he starts going toward that as well he he can do some he gets a little more progressive but yeah there's some really cool stuff and Raphael Sadiq mm. you know I think he does some amazing work yes he's totally yes. prevailed yeah. that trying to keep that going but um it's so interesting to, to find find like where you are in your music career because I really enjoy that single 
I like the string sessions and your I like the vocal. It's it's it's, it's oh, very you. you know it's 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 kind of like not where some of the songs are today, but it's where they should be. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate Just it. Just because I'm kind of like you know everybody's all oh, you're you're like all you want to listen to is James Brown and like I'm sorry, but like I, there's some stuff I I do go to the past a lot. I do listen to new, mm. newer material. I don't just listen to that. But to me, if I'm, I would listen to Coltrane or Davis or Sun Ra, and I'm like, mm. you, you need, and I'd like, like what you said, like Kanye West will bring in obscure soul songs. He'll, he'll bring yes. in, yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. uh, fusion, bring in like jazz fusion, mm. ob- obscure soul songs that maybe no people didn't know. And I think that's a, the work of a really good producer and writer is to take old, yeah. all genres and turn it into something new. And in hip-hop, we see some advanced hip-hop producers are very good at cross-genre. You know, and I mm. think that's really cool when you can do that. Then then, then yeah. when you have the clip-based kind of writing can become very creative, kind of like what you know, Public Enemy used to do with the Bomb Squad. Very, very innovative hip-hop producers can take the genres forward. Absolutely, absolutely. And the same thing with like what you're doing is mixing the kind of classical with the with the, the old school uh, soul and Motown feel. That's that's pretty cool. That's that's a good place to be. <laughs> Thank you. I'll lean more into. Oh, it. I definitely I appreciate it. I think there's a whole fan base that loves that. I mean, there's a, there's, you can go anywhere, and I, I wouldn't like, stop you from going more futuristic if you want to go and do like like EDM. Or, or synth wave or trance. There, there are mm. things you can do. It's kind of like me listening to a Prince record. One thing I always tell like musicians I'm with is like he would do multiple genres on one record. You didn't have to just do one. Mm. You know, you know he. That's yeah. Like, I, it's something I've been thinking about a lot because there is such a culture of you have to be in a specific genre, and I'm really questioning that because I think part of the creative outworking, like you just said, like Prince has done, is drawing from all the different bits and types of music and genres of music that you find interesting and you find compelling, and putting that into your music. You really, I'm, I, you really don't have to be bound by one. Yeah, genre. I mean, I think if, if you get the marketing people involved, and yeah, you want to get a hit. But if you think about Prince, I mean, he's probably the most advanced pop star to come out in that. If you look at that album, like Sign of the Times, Sign of the Times is this mm. masterpiece. It's all over the place. I mean, there's rock, mm. there's funk, there's there's like new wave there's all these different genres all over it and yeah, it's way beyond yeah. the time i mean it's a it's a two record album when you're not supposed to do albums that big and actually in actuality like the new version coming out like the remastered version is is like <laughs> his original concept for the album was to be like six albums <laughs> he had that much material wow and it was all over the place and the the, the picture of what that archive is coming out kind of shows people like, you know, you don't have to be caged into a narrow lane. You, you, if you're creative, mm. you know, think about what Stevie Wonder did on Songs of the Key of Life. I mean, that was a massive effort too, kind of like Sign of the Times of its time. time. That, yeah, that you don't have yeah. to be pinned in. You know, there are people that'll tell you that's what it has to be. But I mean, think about the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper. You know, we, that would have never got created if you listened to people saying, well, what what works? Because that there was nothing like it. <laughs> mm, you know, so you always have to yeah. push the genres like Pink Floyd. Like, how would you ever get that today? That's so true. You would true. never get yeah, anything like so The Wall true. because you got songs that are too long. You know, what what yeah. is that? Or even the song from like The Eagles, Hotel California, goes beyond the time limit where people say you're supposed to go. You know, yeah. over seven minutes. So you, you always have to kind of take your creative lens and say, you know, if I feel this and I believe in it, then I think I can do it. And then, you know, yeah. also think about what's, you know, you have to do as an artist. But if you have a creative exercise that you really want to try, it shouldn't let somebody stop you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so you've got these two singles out now, but you're working toward more are you going to stay as a singles artist or are you working toward a record yeah i was i was initially going to stay as a singles artist just because i was thinking in terms of spotify and 
trying to put my business hat on like we we're, were talking about before being being kind of the 360 musician where I'm doing the business and I'm doing the marketing and the music and all of it um so I was gonna because thinking of the Spotify algorithm I was kind of like with each uh, single you make progress and you kind of get more favor with the Spotify algorithm and the the key um points that they're looking at I think Spotify is a platform that does uh that is beneficial towards singles and kind of prefers yeah. singles um however having spoken to people in the industry they're kind of like actually an ep is your um kind of introduction of who you are as an, an artist it's quite hard to get that from individual singles and also in terms of taking things to the next level it's a lot easier to get behind an artist who's put in an ep an artist an artist that's kind of just doing singles here and there you don't know if they'll be here today gone tomorrow um but if you're investing in an ep that means you're kind of you're serious you're kind of putting your stake in the ground and i thought that was really good justification and i think creatively with an ep you can do a lot more i i really enjoy the albums that kind of have a narrative running through them and like beyonce did with lemonade and kanye west did with his first albums of those kind of filler tracks that are either poetry or um some interlude of some sorts that when you listen to the whole thing together it crafts a story which you can't do with a single with an ep you can kind of do it way more so not as much as you can with an album but with an ep it's that good middle ground where you can where you can do that so i i i definitely think that's why i want to do an ep yeah it's interesting because i kind of grew up like i said i'm in my 50s and i grew up in the mm. age of the album you know i was child of Sgt. Yeah. pepper and the Pink Floyd, the world, and you think about um, Tapestry and Carol King. There was Bob Dylan. He had there was the age where, you know, music was like a painting. Music's like a novel. And I look at mm. I used to look at albums because I bought albums on vinyl. And the thing about vinyl back in the day was that um, it forced you to listen to the whole project. And, and so then yeah. when you listen to Sgt. Pepper's, it was like an event. It was like reading a novel. You listen to Pink Floyd, The Wall, all the way through because it's 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 a that's the artist statement, and it's like you know sound literature, and that's what yeah. you miss in the single market. And it seems like yeah. the world yeah. had shifted to kind of going back to the fifties, you know, in this modern Spotify yeah. world. In the fifties, bands didn't really have record albums. I mean, they had them, but what happened was you have a bunch of singles and they collect them together and then put it into an album. That's oh, what interesting. Used to, and I we're kind of back that. to that, where, where a lot of people mm. are on these playlists. They'll do all these singles and maybe they'll end up putting all their hits into one record. Exactly. But, but, yeah. but what be, the Beatles really shifted that was that you can actually create a statement that's like a novel. That's huh? like a mm. sound painting. And Hendrix was a big proponent mm. of the idea that music should be a sound painting. So he had these big projects like Electric Ladyland, there's like, it's a full experience. You have to listen to the whole through, whole way through, you know? And, mm. and the interesting thing about George Martin, he actually used to work with Peter Sellers on comedy records. And before he met the Beatles, he had been doing all these comedy records where it had all this overdubs and all these special effects and all this stuff. And the Beatles actually liked, had listened to those Peter Sellers records. And so when they got George Martin as their producer, they said, oh, you know, can we incorporate some of that stuff you did on these comedy records? And that kind of was the emphasis wow. for Sgt. Pepper. And the wow. idea also was that George Martin said, I don't want to record the Beatles like they, like they sound live, because that's just a Xerox mm. of what they sound live. I want to interpret them like a painter, like a Monet interprets nature, right? So, like, the idea that a producer mm -hmm. can take a band and make them sound otherworldly or sound different is kind of starts with George Martin and, you know, continues with Hendrix, continues with bands like, um, like Pink Floyd, is that you can actually make yourself more than what you could do live with the album mm, format. Yeah. That's where the yeah. album format is very important into creating this, like, shaping of your sound. Totally. I, I, it's cool if you're going to go there because I like I like what you're doing with these two singles and I would love to hear like a full your full statement as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that because it it um, it will be not just the sound, but also the messaging. Like, um, it's a chance to state your values as an artist because I definitely have a mission and, and values as an artist, but that's hard to convey when you're just doing one single here, one single there, and there's not really a thread or a theme. But you're, I'm saying one thing. I'm saying my my music's for women. I want to kind of um, help women realize their greatness and and tear down some untruths that are in society about us but you can't really hear that from the two songs I've done but you will definitely get that when I do my EP so um, I'm looking forward to having that chance because one creatively I can and musically I can say what I'm about but also really convey the message why I go around talking about these things is because that's my mission and you can actually hear that in my music now yeah that's kind of the whole idea like the the, the movement in the 70s we had the female singer songwriters you know we had tapestry you had these, you know, Joan Baez, you had all these great, you know, Johnny Mitchell. They were doing these great statements mm. that were kind of empowering mm. women. And they had these full albums that kind of had this different perspective. And it was, you know, they were coming to the head in, in the 70s. That was like the kind of focal point of that. And um, and mm. now we have, you know, people in, in the new age, you know, bringing that back. But sometimes like the, the kind of Spotify playlist is not really geared toward that level of writing. Um, and so yeah. it's kind of more like the groove kind of oriented writing or, or yeah. kind of, you know, yeah. just trying to find that melody or that groove that's going to get people excited, but it's not going into the depth of what, what it could mm. be. And so that's where I think it's cool that you have these other platforms like Instagram and, and SoundClouds of the world and the YouTube where people can be more experimental and like try things and then maybe yeah. you know, get a, an audience base that they can build up with those ideas. You know, I, I think that's yeah to be able to stay there. So in terms of coronavirus and the, you've been able to get your music into like, you know, sync licensing, get it on TV, but in terms of performing, what, what is your plan? Are you able to um, come up with like a way to online perform or be in online concerts or, yeah so it's been it's been so different obviously yeah we ha I haven't been doing kind of live performances um I've done a, quite a few online performances so that's just through Instagram live and those kind of things because a lot of these venues that were previously doing live performances have moved over to um Instagram live and have invited me on to kind of do a live with them so that's been really interesting and really fun um I think for me the my my biggest focus I think is really um building that solid fan, fan base I think what I've seen with um a lot of musicians rightly or wrongly is that a lot of the time we kind of go around performing these kind of small gig nights and what I've realized is that a lot of the time the the, the room's just full of other musicians so in terms of just advancement of like building that fan base and, and really establishing a career. Uh, we're kind of preaching to the choir a lot of the times in, in doing, I know in London anyway, of, of going to these kind of um, event nights and everyone in the rooms a musician themselves. Um, so it's, it's a fun night, but in terms of any traction to your music and advancing your career, it's probably not done very much. So I, I am focusing more so on really building that base online um and converting that to the the physical seeing those people in yeah, real life you can get over the pond and reach us over here or reach people in, in asia <laughs> you know yeah because that's that's what i've been doing is like I'm, I'm in new hampshire and i'm i'm an electronic musician there's no scene for for electronic music in new hampshire but um, my scene mm. is like everywhere else <laughs> So yeah, I have to go yeah. to Boston or New York when, when there wasn't a pandemic. I, I'd go to Manhattan and I'd play in clubs there. And it was preaching to the choir. I mean, you go to like a CBGB's and you got all the bloggers and all the producers and all the like people doing avant-garde stuff looking for the next Velvet Underground. That That's what you find. Mm -hmm. And that's cool because you get critics and people that will send you, where you, you know to other people. And maybe you get to produce on somebody's record or you connect with another musician. But the online is where I really get most of my fans. It's like, can I get people from all over the world? Oh, hello? Yep. You, you hear me? Hello? Yeah. 
Hello? Did we lose it? Oh, you can't hear me? Hello? Did you drop off? Oh, hello? Talking about like online that I was able to really get more fans, you know, and this is how mm. this podcast actually came about is because of my overseas fans more than my local fans. Mm. Um, that yeah. I, I interview bands all over the world. I mean, I have bands in Australia, Tokyo, Netherlands, New Zealand, everywhere. Um, and then, you know, not if I just tried to find bands in the Northeastern United States, I wouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And I think a lot of, I, I don't know if any musicians are listening, will be listening to this, they will be. Um, but it can be discouraging when you're in an area where the scene isn't really the mu- kind of music you do. A lot of, you can almost get discouraged in that people will, um, your friends who are also musicians will be hyping up someone else because they're within that kind of uh, genre that's cool and that's popping and that's big in your area. And you might feel like, oh, I, my music's not good enough, but you just have to find your people. Your, and I, I, I've come to the realization that I think sometimes musicians can be a lot like comic comedians. There is this, um, this, this saying that comedians don't laugh at other comedians' jokes. And I think sometimes it can be like that with musicians in that they're looking for something different to what a fan is looking for. A musician will be looking for, one of your fellow musicians will be looking for something really technical on the guitar or something really technical vocally and, and certain kind of runs. Um, and you might try so hard to impress that musician and, and what they deem to be good music that you're like not realizing that you have loads of fans out there if you could just find them online who love your music as it is and appreciate different parts of your music appreciate the whole thing rather than oh this was this is a really great lick on the guitar because um the things that fans will be listening out for aren't the things that musicians will be listening out for a lot of the time musicians uh, notice a lot of stuff that fans don't notice in a song. So I really had to learn that. I thought my fellow musicians would be your biggest champions, but actually I realized that you can, you find your tribe. You have to go out and find your tribe. And for me, it's been finding my tribe online. I found people who really love my music online. So it's kind of all about leaning into that. Yeah. I mean, the online community is how, you know, I think everybody's surviving in this coronavirus era. Yeah. That, that, that if you were a bandit, it was like stuck to like, like in the LA scene, you got the whiskey, a go go, you have all these big clubs and a lot of the bands that kind of rotate. And I mm. interview a lot of those, a lot of those bands. And they were having a lot of trouble with coronavirus because they weren't really radiating outside that area. Now, that's a okay. really deep area and there's a lot of clubs and you can make a living doing those mm. clubs and those bands work but when this happened that kind of evaporated and then they yeah. had to find a way to get beyond that area um, yeah and so I, that's kind of the trap you can get into <laughs> yeah i completely agree my my um something that actually is just one of my goals in life both me and my husband we're trying to think we've since we got married we've actually been trying to work towards um, being kind of less dependent on external forces. So for us, that's being able to do, have something that pays us, that we can do from anywhere in the world, um, that you don't have to be in a certain place to do it. You can be indoors, you can be wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think musicians now are really realizing the importance of that, of being diversified, essentially, not just having gigging, physical gigging as your only stream of, in, of, of revenue, because if that dries up or if there's a pandemic, <laughs> then you are, you are really screwed. You have to be, you have to have diverse streams of interest from your fans, of engagement and ways that you can make money that don't rely on you showing up to a club and playing that's been the problem with a lot of traditional like rock oriented bands or performance bands because mm. they they the, the only way they were surviving is like they're not making enough off off the streaming mm. you know the streaming wasn't bringing in enough money and it's they're selling the merch at the show they're selling the t-shirts yeah. at the show and they're, they're going on their tour bus and they're touring california and they hit mm. like every club in california and they were able to do that but now since they didn't, you know, they had an outreach and maybe they had a web store. Now they're having to like, I got to really concentrate on the web store. I got to sell this vinyl. I yeah. got to spend time signing the vinyl, <laughs> putting posters into the vinyl. 
yeah and, and, and pushing the merch more than the physical show which yeah. luckily they had that leg and they've been they've been kind of pushing on that leg real heavy um, amazing to survive but it's interesting they kind of showed the weakness in in the model of how we get paid for our music yes is, yeah is, is somewhat of a controversy in terms of you can do well you know if you sync license you can do well if you can get it you know, to a certain level, like millions of cell, you know, streams, but not everybody's going to hit that million stream level. Um, mm-hmm. So, so it's like, how do you get paid fairly for the work you do? If you're on a small tier, like if you're a mm-hmm. band, it's only going to hit 200,000. Yeah. How are you going to get a, 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 a livable income from that? Yeah. So that, that's where like, okay, well maybe we sell vinyl or, you know, we yeah. sell, handmade cds we do concepts that we do fan interaction uh at a higher level you know doing custom you know market like micro marketing of 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 stuff that people i've seen bands like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna send you like uh like this custom thing if you join my patreon then Mm. then i'm gonna give you this custom signed low volume thing and it's going to run out and then you've got a, you know, like a block of like a thousand things or something yeah that's why i yeah. see a lot of bands doing stuff like that to, yeah to survive yeah i think that's that's really creative and that's really what's needed but so going forward um i know you've worked with producers have you thought of collaborating with artists within your genre or outside your genre I have and I'm in the process of of doing that I think that's something I've been really really keen on um so it's probably the collaboration is one from uh, the standpoint of being kind of creatively interested in collaborating with artists outside of my genre to learn more and kind of improve as a uh, be a more well-rounded musician as a result but also for um tv licensing as well so there's a, a rapper who does grime music. Grime music is kind of, you know, really big in the UK. Um, so I, and it's very popular for being licensed to um, uh, football and uh, sporting sports, television. Sports, yeah. But the difficulty in the UK that they have is that a lot of the the rappers that do grime are like kids. They're like 14 and they don't know anything about getting your music properly registered, mm-hmm. um, having all of those kind of the copyright and um, licensing permissions and that information that you need, having that all in place so it can be played on TV. Otherwise, it just can't be played. So there's so much amazing grime music, but they just... Um, a lot of these shows just can't play them on TV because it's it's not registered correctly and they yeah. haven't gone through all the... Um, they might have uh, the, the samples not registered or they didn't, yeah. It, exactly. So I would love to collaborate with him and, and kind of help fill that void of like one, getting an amazing track, a track and being able to kind of dip into a genre I haven't done before, um, but also getting the song registered and being able to kind of pitch that to um, to sporting television shows. And then there's also another rapper that um, I'm currently working with, writing a song with. Um, he was in a kind of really famous band over here in the UK. So that's quite a, a great opportunity just to learn from him. He has so much experience in the industry um, that I'm I'm really excited to see that where that goes. And then I think um, outside of that is... Oh, sometimes I write a lot of songs and I have someone in mind. So there's a song that I'm, I've written recently um, that I would love for a certain kind of UK um, indie singer to, you know, be on that track with me and I'll see what they say. They're oh, kind of like a duet. Yeah. So like a duet. So they, they're kind of up and coming and I just think their voice would be perfect for it. Um, and actually um, I've just collaborated with, um, a DJ, uh, a dance music DJ here in the UK called DJ Badalia. He played at Tomorrowland. He's doing amazing things. Um, And he recently did a remix um, of a song that I've done the vocals on. So that was a bit out of my comfort zone because I haven't really done EDM or dance music before. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was really cool in getting to be creative because he wanted to not just remix the song, but actually, you know, come up with some new melodies, come up with some new lyrics and really make it unique and different, like a standalone piece from the song he was remixing. Um, so that's been really fun. That's in the works. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really keen on 
collaborating with other artists, both in my genre and outside of my genre. Well, that's really, I think it's been great, you know, talking with you. I think you're, you really have a, of a solid vision as an artist where you want to go and what you're doing. And that's really cool. To Thank you. See you in this place. Most of the musicians we interview are actually female artists that we feel um, in the last two years, like female artists around the world have actually been doing some really vital work. And that's as a, amazing. Yeah, as a podcaster, we're like, okay, well, we're kind of giving giving you know female artists that focus. Because I I kind of I grew up you know listening to a lot of male artists, and I'm a male artist myself, but I've always gravitated toward you know female musicians in terms of uh, like like artists that I thought were very vital, from mm. from, from like a Liz Fair to a Tori, Tori Amos to to you know uh, listening to Erica Badu and neo soul artist uh, i i just felt that there was a lot of interesting stuff going on um mm. that was more creative or more vital than what i saw some of the, the male artists doing <laughs> oh interesting <laughs> um so so it's been interesting it's kind of, kind of probably got more female interviews than than male band interviews just because i, I they haven't really perked my interest you know I, <laughs> with what they're doing um okay so, but we'll see if we, we can get. I, I, I'm willing to interview anybody, but I, I think the female artists are really on the up, up and coming. I, I agree with what you're, 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 um, you're in your bio where you're talking about trying to push, you know, that that type of perspective. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, I, I I really hope to do more and more of that. And it's been this has been incredible just having this conversation with you because very rarely do artists actually get a chance to go into the the music and the the technical stuff and the strategy and all of that stuff that goes into their music so what you're what you've created is absolutely incredible um because a lot of the kind of forward-facing interviews are about kind of your your general journey roughly high level about the music so having the opportunity to kind of bounce ideas off you and um go into kind of the nitty-gritty the depth of it is awesome yeah, I felt like what I saw going on in the podcast community was, wasn't what I wanted. I'm kind of mm. like a behind the music type of thing. I mm. like to watch music documentaries. So I like to go kind of deeper than mm. just like your single and maybe a 15 minute conversation about what's, you know, going to be on like e entertainment or something. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's more like I want to go in depth. Like what, why are you, what's your raison d'etre? Like why yeah. are you doing this? And, and I feel like that's what people want to hear. Uh, if they love their, the musician they're into. So I hope the fans that, that I interviewed, the, uh, the fan base of each artist I interview, I'm trying to give them what I would want as a fan. Mm, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's amazing. You're doing incredible work. Well, thank you very much, um, Kema. And we, we, we're going to push this out. We're on 11 podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Amazing. And I'll, with, I'll send everyone there. Yeah, cool. This is cool. We've got a pretty good integration between Anchor FM and Instagram, where Spotify, uh, our 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 primary um, <laughs> company that, that that runs us, um, we were able to actually integrate the highlight that will go directly to the Spotify version of the podcast. Even though we're on eleven platforms, if you're on Instagram and you click the highlight, you can go right to the Spotify version of the podcast, which we will put up on our Instagrams. And then you can share as a story on yours. Oh, awesome. That's, that's great. I will do that. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And if, when you have another um, project, we tend to have people that we interview come on two or three times um, uh, um, based on their output of their projects. So when you yeah. have another project you want to promote um, or an event you want to promote and you want to talk to the fans again, let us know and we'll set it up. That sounds great. I would love to. Thanks so much for having me, Phantom. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.